0: Like a I say we kill it.
1: As the
2: phrase goes, oh now now you're ashamed of it. It's be, it's only because we have a we have an invited have guest. An invite.
1: You behave.
2: You must behave. You hey guys, what's going on? Um, this we'll is going to be a bit of a special episode, as you might have guessed. Uh, we are bringing on a friend of ours, a co uh, co conspirator and a co podcaster, <laughs> as it were. Uh, very cool guy. And um, we will give that for that formality, very formal formality, in just a moment. But we want to go ahead and give you guys uh, our plugins, as always, guys. We are the Christian Theological Dark Web. We would love you guys, if you have not done so already, to subscribe. You can do so for as little as two ninety nine on uh, Spotify or the same amount, three bucks on um, on uh, Help Me show P- Patreon. Thank you. Excuse me. Um, so jo-
1: yeah, Whew, man, that was hard. <laughs> My ESPN it. is she working. Got me.
2: Thanks. Appreciate it. You guys can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Spotify. You can find all of our connections, all of our social media and everything at solo.to slash the CTDW, solo.to slash the CTDW, solo.to slash the CTDW. And go ahead and follow us on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twitter, which is now X, and on Instagram that nobody seems to care about. Not even me, but it's there if you want it. No, i We kidding. We update everything as often as we can. And um, yeah, man, it just—it's—we got a cool, cool episode today. I'm excited about it. Um, I won't reveal the plot because that'll give away all the suspense. So, um, without further ado, we need
1: to suspend you.
2: Ex- excuse me, I'm the announcer, young lady. So you better—I'd <laughs> better, say respect your elders, but that doesn't really let's, work. Does let's
1: let's start over. Good evening, oh, everybody. My gosh.
2: Oh, my gosh. Dude, just when you think that it can't get any worse, you know, it's just like... No, you know. Oh, never
1: never underestimate. Hey, I have access (laughs) to you kind sir.
2: Yes. No, you're wonderful. I love you. I'm glad you're here with me. All right, guys. Well, without further ado, um, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest today, Justin from the Prometheus Lens Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm good. What's going on, guys?
1: Derek What's Gilbert
2: doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm. Forgive me that I haven't been doing commun I don't have a communications <laughs> degree. Jeez, you know, I haven't been doing
3: radio. Yeah, for... that's
1: to Casey Kasem, man. I've Derek Gilbert is it. Yeah. <laughs> right.
3: Torches. The Prometheus lie. Lens. <laughs> good
2: stuff. Good stuff. Hey, man. So you are from the Prometheus Lens, which is your
3: own solo project. Am I right? Yeah, I just, I just launched it uh, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, fresh my, my, off the block. Yeah, my podcasting is uh, just fresh off the block. I mean, it's uh, I've been doing this maybe a year. Uh, I started off with the, the Dig Bible podcast, and like I was telling you guys before the show, that was just a, originally a, a men's study group. I invited <laughs> like 15, 20 guys uh, that I knew and knew from church to just expose them to Mike Heiser's Unseen Realm and... You know, just uh, the supernatural, you know, "quote unquote" fringe stuff of the of the Bible. And yeah. three meetings later, my buddy Steve's like, "Hey, man, we should be recording this," <laughs> and <laughs> here we are.
2: Boom, boom, boom. Cool, man. So you've been doing this for a little over a year now, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. On man. Um. So I mean, that kind of explains how you got into podcasting. You kind of got thrown into it. I mean, it wasn't even like a.
3: Yeah, yeah man. It is to the wolves. I mean, I honestly had just started listening to uh, the Naked Bible podcast. So, I mean, I was just honestly getting getting exposed to what a podcast was. So, yeah, I never done any kind of editing, audio, video, any of that stuff. So it was uh, it was uh, a thing from God. It had to be. There's no other mm-hmm. way to explain it. <laughs> you felt like a
2: Naked Bible right. podcaster at that point, I'm sure. Right, <laughs> It's crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's that's funny that you say that. Um, I, I'm like in the same boat as you, man. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. I just was like, okay, uh, this seems to work. Let's go with this now, and uh, let's let's just keep doing it. You know, that's little by little. We'll probably uh, be able to share some tips. You know, off off air, actually, to be honest.
3: Oh yeah. Um,
1: All trial and error. For yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. No kidding. Um, well, is there anything you want to share with us about your background man i'm sure there's there's some pretty relevant stuff that's kind of brought you on this journey huh
3: yeah it was just uh i'm just you know every day nine to five joe and you know got a wife two kids and uh, a job and i grew up in the in the church you know as a christian my entire life and like me and shelly was talking you know uh pre-roll i was that kid that was asking too many questions in Sunday school, probably getting on the Sunday school teachers' <laughs> nerves and I was always just, you know, fascinated with the word of God.
1: Kindred spirit yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah.
3: And uh That's so it. I grew up in church and uh of course once I turned fifteen, sixteen year old and I started driving I I went into to full rebellion and uh does just do. done what As I wanted to do. You know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but it was maybe my early 20s you know mid 20s that i started you know coming back to god and diving into the word and and kind of led me to to where i am now but yeah i've always had a a curious mind and loved the the word and always you know felt like there was more to the story than what i was being told there had to be i mean we're talking about an infinite god he can't be that simple (laughs) correct but yeah once i got exposed to my kaiser's work it's just uh that door got kicked open (laughs) and so i just started getting exposed to all this stuff and i just couldn't put it down
1: right it's like oh in the beginning god did all these amazing things and then like oh and then he didn't do anything else and he then he just left the material world to spin and do its (laughs) own thing or something and 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 have men
2: make make theories
1: right (laughs) cool and and uh. you know every once in a while somebody will come and say something like and the three men in the furnace didn't burn and so the king said hmm didn't we put three in it seems like there's four now and one looks like a god and we're like heard nothing Shadrach, Meshach, and one looks like god well how the heck did he know what a god looked like no, no, no. We don't talk about those things. So let's move on to something else. No. Oh, what are...
2: We'd much rather say, oh, he, he looks like Jesus. How does he know what Jesus looks like?
1: <laughs> oh, God? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, oh, hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual <laughs> forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. Well, huh, I wonder what that means. Oh, that means I have to fight with myself to not watch too much television. Like, this this postmodern world we live in is insane.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean I love I've... how Timothy Alberino, we had him on the show on the Dig Bible podcast, and we asked him and uh how would we word it? We said, you know, how important do you think it is that Christians dig into the Bible? And his answer was just beautiful, you know, typical Timothy Alberino style. Yeah, he he totally. said you know, he said, digging into the scriptures is important. He said, but only so much that you know the foundation of Christ. He said, if you know the foundation of the faith, the story of Christ can defend him historically, theologically, and you have that firm foundation, then you can go digging. Because he said, what happens a lot, he said, people dive into these fringe topics. He said, that or great, he said, fascinating topics. He said, you know, Nephilim and, you know, Deuteronomy 32. He said, all these things, he said, I can talk at and about at nauseum. He said, but he said, if you strip away Nephilim from me, you strip away uh, giants and gods and uh, the divine counsel. He said, all these fascinating subjects. He said, if you took them all out of the Bible and just left me with the story of Christ, he said, Definitely. I would be completely content. He said, and that's the yeah. problem. People are coming in with no foundation into these fringe topics. And yeah. it's right. wide open to deception because you don't have that foundation. Yeah. So that's, that's so Ricky important. Ricky and I were talking about yes, that recently
1: we about, about how when you're interested in stuff like this, it's so easy to be, um, uh, swayed by Gnosticism like it's so easy to be like oh this and then I'm like no 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 okay that's all cool and fine and I can I can do a bit of supposition as well as the next guy but um in the end it is it is the gospel of Christ it is his cross that saves and and all that other stuff is is fun for a Thursday conjecture but it it won't it won't save a soul.
3: Yeah. And it makes the journey so much better because if you have that firm foundation, you know, boom, you have the foundation. And then you start looking at these other things. It's not just cool things anymore. Right. Yeah, they're cool things, but they connect dots and right. they answer why's and it right. brings you closer to God and makes him more real than just a story. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I felt like I was misled or or kept in the dark for many years as a Christian about some of these topics. But I'm so glad it happened that way because I took yeah. my time and I have a good, firm foundation. Yeah. And
1: you can build on a firm foundation, it, but you can build whatever you want, not on a foundation, and it's going to crumble again and again and again. It yeah. doesn't matter how good the the lumber is or the brick is or the stone is if you don't have a foundation it's going to sink and it's going to crumble because it cannot keep its shape mm-hmm. i like
2: that uh i like that megalithic reference well done Shelly. um <laughs> i was just gonna say man that what you're what you're what you're uh highlighting is so so important um i know that it's very it's very cliche to, to for everybody to get anchors tattooed on them but i couldn't resist man because the hope of Christ is what anchors us to, a, to our our very reality, right? And and the way I heard a commentary uh, about that verse in particular, which I love that verse for that very reason, is that when we, we are anchored to the floor, you're still going to be floating around in the water moving around. It doesn't mean you, you sit in one spot. That's not what that means. On the contrary, you are buzzing all over the place, but you're always coming back to the same point. And like like shell just said man i mean if christ is the cornerstone nothing will crumble but if he's not there's no cornerstone on which to build so yeah. good stuff man good stuff um yeah real quick i guess man how did you so you were part of the Dig bible podcast for a little while and now you're branching out obviously you said you have only been about two weeks now yeah. uh what what uh i mean you kind of shared with us back behind uh behind the uh before the, we actually started and everything but but what is the thing that actually kind of pushed you towards uh the prometheus lines podcast
3: well you know they say curiosity killed the cat so i'm hoping that i don't get killed because i'm the curious cat but you know i mean i've always <laughs>
1: satisfaction lives. brought him back okay right, then. Then. it wasn't it, it it was unfulfilled curiosity that killed that cat. I love idioms, and I'm always looking to see what they originally were, because they sound so stupid nowadays. <laughs> um, you don't have your cake and eat it, too. Well, duh, you have to have the cake to eat it. You eat your cake and want to have it, too. Mm. Um, curiosity killed that cat, but satisfaction brought it back. That's yeah, the rest yeah. of it. So don't
3: tell me, don't be curious, yeah. meow. But see, I I love just, you know, digging into the Word of God, but I love digging into all these other things that are connected. You know, uh, I like looking into conspiracy theory. You know, I like looking into some of these esoteric things. I like looking Absolutely. into these uh, secret societies. And, you know, God love them, but there's a lot of, you know, good hearted Christian people that are, are friends and even family of mine. Like right now, I'm, you know, working on uh, Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma. And they're like, oh, that's a cursed book. And, you know, and you don't need to be looking into that stuff. But th- the difference is, is I have a good, firm foundation. And these are the people that are ruling over us. So whether it's true or not, I want to know what these people Think I want to know what these people believe. And, you know, you see in the news that, you know, all about the, the aliens and just all these different things. So I'm curious. I want to look into these things and I want to know these things. And so we we have the Dig Bible podcast, you know, I mean, that's uh, just, you know, focused on the word of God. And I love the, the interviews and talking to these authors and stuff like that. And, and our current platform is we do one interview a month. So I just told the guys, I was like, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm still doing the dig, but I want to do something on my own where I can just kind of, you know, take off and look into things that I want to look at. And because, yeah. honestly, if we if I started talking about morals and dogma and some of these uh, more fringy topics on the dig, there's lots of people that listen to that show that, you know, probably get upset and turned off by that. So this way I can look into all the fascinating subjects that I want to without uh, my friends getting any backlash. <laughs> it's all on me.
2: That's funny, man. Well, that's good, though. That's good, man. I'm glad that you found an outlet for it. And, um, you know, it, it's it's so important to... It is important to deal with these issues yeah. because, you know, they, they concern foundational things in our faith. And, and if we don't understand them... Then we really won't have anywhere to go with explaining it to other people, but even worse, we misunderstand who God is. We misunderstand what the purpose of of interaction with his with him is. and we misunderstand what what the purpose of um of us being here is, frankly, you know, if we're able to look at those mistakes we're because like, that's what that's I mean that's really all the esoteric stuff is, right? there there they were bad decisions on someone's part and that someone could be us or could be some celestial being or some anything right but at the end of the day all the the conundrum that we're in is because of someone's bad choice and if we don't understand that bad choice we don't understand God's original intent and and where we should be going essentially yeah.
3: and I'm a big history buff I love looking at history and <laughs> you know historic figures and, and so I'm going to, you know, dive into all these subjects. But the key point, though, that I should have mentioned earlier was all those things. You got plenty of shows that are like that. But this one is going to be through my lens, you know, a Christian lens and a Christian worldview and viewpoint. So I think that's what makes it unique. And that's why I called it, you know, the Prometheus lens. It's looking at all of these things in a new lens with a new perspective. And honestly, it's a, it's a good way to yes. bring people in that are not quote unquote Christians, because these are topics that fascinate you know, many people across the board. So yeah. if I can get those people in and we can talk about these yep. really cool, fascinating subjects and I can give it to them in palpable language and be like, you know, hey, why are you here? Let me tell you about Jesus.
0: Hmm. Right, right. You know what
3: I mean? I, I want to use this to reach out to people and talk about fascinating subjects that, that I enjoy. But at the same time, I want to reach out to those people, but in my own way. You sure. know. You know, a good teacher points to the answer and doesn't tell you. And you find yeah, it out for yeah, yourself. Right. And when you find it out for yourself, you accept it more openly. So, and I love the church and I love, you know, Christian people, but we have a tendency to be very preachy and stand over people and just beat them with the bible into submission and that doesn't work with everybody
2: well i, I so. would say it doesn't work um uh, you say so everybody but it I it works I, I fine say,
3: with
1: three-year-olds you know you well, give them the mean. answer and then they all say jesus no, church you know well it, and, the, the, and the problem
2: is the problem is and, and this is my personal view i think this is Shelley's view as well man but um I would say one it doesn't work because that's not the way it, w- it was designed to work. God does right, not right. intend you to be led by someone else to him. He intends other humans, other other creatures, other other co- <laughs> coexisting brothers and sisters to point you in the right direction just like you said. That's that's uh, that's such a keen insight on that and it's it's very accurate. But God is the one that that does the change. We can water it all day, but it ain't going to grow if God doesn't show up as sunlight and make it grow. That's the only way it's going to grow. And so,
3: and I like the analogy too of the whole image of God. You yeah. know, it says in the beginning yep. that you know we were made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and what that means to me is like it's not that we look just like God. That way, when God looks down at us, He sees Himself. No, it's it's we are a mirror, but we are. A slightly tilted inverted mirror so that way when the world other people see us they don't see us right they see god and then when god shines down his love and his favor toward us we project it back out into the world that's right
1: that's why we're told to uh be ready with the reason for our hope when asked So, A, we better look like we have hope, and B, we better be able to to give our reason as soon as we are asked for it. And, and, notice, and if we're not being asked, we might be doing something wrong.
2: That's right. Well, and then furthermore, uh, I thought you were going somewhere else with it, but you're almost where I was going. Um, well, it says it when you're asked, it doesn't say shove it in someone's face. It says when right. you're asked, be ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, uh, do you want to go ahead and kind of start with the, the background on how we got here and how we got to today's topic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we found Justin and um, the Dig Bible podcast when we were researching for the Nimrod episode. Well, sort of,
2: sort of, because actually well, I, stumbled, I stumbled onto Justin on Facebook and... Well, you
1: did. I didn't. I found him. Oh, so totally you found separate. them independently? <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, that's cool. All right. There we go. All <laughs> on,
1: right. On Dig. And then when you were like, oh, he's on the Dig. And I was like, oh, I, I was oh. just listening to that podcast. I was
2: just in listening to him. Just in time. No,
1: I can tell you what, I didn't know there was a necessarily a Justin. I couldn't tell you any of their names. I could tell you that I remember y'all are from Kentucky.
3: (laughs) No, hold up now. Hold up, Tennessee.
1: Oh, (laughs) I I thought that was right. Jeez. Oops. To me it's the same place.
2: My my brother in law, dude, he was he was in Tennessee (laughs) with his family. He um He's actually a uh, part of a missions group in in Mexico City, which is another topic for another time. But he was there in Tennessee for like three, four, five years. He was there for a long time, man. As long as I was in Mexico, holy cow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's super. He miss cool. he misses lots of aspects of it. My my in laws they got to go visit him while they were there. They loved it, man. They said it was very very cool. They really much enjoyed it.
3: Yep. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm from no the East Tennessee, so it's all Appalachia, man wonder oh, you were not
1: impressed that my husband is on the border of Kentucky and Indiana. He, he
2: was like, right "Oh, uh, cool. He was like,
1: "Oh, that's wonderful." <laughs> <Great>.
2: <laughs> I, I let her step right up in all that crap. I was just oh. like, "All right, wait, you want to step in and go for it?" <laughs>
1: Knock that right <laughs> into the catcher's mitt. <laughs>
2: Very nice. Very nice.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. You know what? I enjoyed the twang and I really enjoyed the dialogue and I was like, oh, these are people who think like I think they want to go deeper into the word yeah. and they love Jesus. And so I was I was really impressed and, and like, dude, I am reading everything I can find and a lot of it is real weird. Um, and I'm listening to all the podcasts I can find, and in the um, documentaries, and I'm listening to everything on like 1.5 speed, which is how I listen to podcasts. It, I wish I could make my TV go that fast. I'm but
2: not arc lying. To
3: sounds me. really good. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that
2: that that uh, that intro of, of like Prometheus and and the Dig Bible podcast is just that that guitar solo that distorted. When you listen to it on like 1.2 or 1.5, it sounds god awful, dude. It's terrible. (laughs) You have to listen to it on regular speed. Then I speed you guys up.
1: (laughs) There, there are some things. It's true. You just have to be like, no, no, can't listen to them that fast because I wasn't going for chipmunks tonight. I mean, but Ben Shapiro. Um, (laughs) Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Love him to pieces, but don't listen to him on 1.5. Um. So anyhow, going through all of the, the information I can find for how in the world Nimrod began to become a Gabor. Um, and it had listened to one of your episodes, liked it, so I was listening to some more of the dig. And uh, pardon me if I don't use your whole long name. I don't use our whole long name. so <laughs> We shortened it on purpose, actually. I mean, I am all about the CTDW. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But one of y'all said kind of towards the end, you just threw something in to your conversation about um, the garments of God, the skin of the Nakash uh, causing uh, Nimrod to become a Gabor. And I went, Wait, what? How do I find out more about that? What is that? Because you know we'd been we'd been looking, and um, we didn't want to delve too deeply. I'm not going to lie, because neither one of us wanted our browsing <laughs> histories to reflect some of the ways in which he could have become a Gabor, uh, like the ritual xa you may know? <laughs> um so uh, we had been looking without getting really into the dark web because even though it's in our name it's it's not in in our computers it's not really in our, <laughs> our mo <laughs> we, we we want the things that are dark gray but you know dark it just didn't have the same ring kitty cat go away sorry guys so i have a zoo Yeah, not those grays. Um, But when you said that, that was fascinating. I don't even know how you showed up in our Facebook feed. I, you know, I probably do. I think Facebook just suggested Justin
2: (laughs) to me, and I was like, oh, he, and I noticed that you actually, I'll tell you exactly how I found you, bro. The first post I saw with you was you were all excited about that Nephilim skull in the background there. (laughs) That's how that's, and I was like, oh. He's probably somebody I would like to talk to, so I was like, "I'm gonna call him."
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ed. Ed. <laughs> That's so. I named him Ed.
1: Is that legit?
3: Uh, Is no, it you, real? It, it, it's illegal to have human remains, human but it, yeah, oh, it, it's okay. a a casting
1: reproduction. It's super well, cool. But, I mean, but I did have cast-
3: it signed by L.A. Marzulli and Derek Gilbert. Uh, That's awesome. awesome. I'm
1: so (laughs) jealous right now. I really both both of those gentlemen are normal uh, food for fodder for us, too. Like we can't even we we try to uh, give kudos and shout outs to people who um, influence us and never we have not gotten through everybody yet oh you, no, you never it, will. There's, no <laughs> there's so many and but that's so encouraging for me to to know that there are other people who are earnestly seeking um the difficult to things of the word yep. Yep. you know that's yep. that it, it's very encouraging for me It yeah. it's it's like have you ever felt like elijah when you know, he he, he murks the eight hundred and fifty um, priests of Ashtarah and Baal and then he's like, dude, I am all alone. There ain't nobody but me serving you, God. And, you know, God's like, hey, I have reserved for myself a remnant chum. You are not alone. You're not even the only well-known name alone that is right there with you knock it off dude but we feel that way right yeah. and i know i feel that way and then so like when you get together with that remnant then and you're like i'm not alone there are other people who love jesus the way i love jesus yeah and it's so so nice so Uh, that's that's exactly how we feel with you, Justin, is that you love Jesus like we love Jesus. And that's so exciting to us. So tell us, how I know, sorry, you know I talk with my hands um, but I have really cute nails all the time I Shelly, Shelly has that.
2: become Shelly has been living on the border so long bro, that she's actually turned into a Hispanic because that's all she does, she talks with her hands now like all the time <laughs> white <laughs>
1: chicks talk with their hands too give me a break <laughs> whatever makes you feel better Shelly. you know what I embrace it, I love my border city yeah yeah um, So, just on all that, in the Four Dragons way, I don't know if you know what Four Dragons is, if you've listened to us enough to know that Four Dragons is, Ricky?
2: I'll give the explanation. (laughs) And over to the linguist. So, we (laughs) call ourselves Four Dragons, bro, because the word in Chinese for for verbose, which is, you know, talking too much, is literally the character for dragon written four times in a row. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So we call we ourselves
1: four dragons because yeah, we talk too much.
0: We're <laughs> both four guessed.
1: dragons alone, so we're four dragons times two. Oh my You might think that's eight dragons, but it's put us on one point five speed two. it's like Hydra. It Hydra. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All yours. But uh, all of that to say, um, tell us more about these garments of God that might be part of the reason or the reason that Nimrod began to become a Gabor.
3: Well, uh I guess to, to answer your question and I, I'll circle back through like some of the, the dirty details, but you know, my opinion, you know, this is, you know, and I'll state that outright. This is my opinion and I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. give you plenty of, of scripture on why I believe what I believe but I think a lot of people try to have the mindset that it's this or it's this. Yeah. And I try to keep an open mind and be like, well, why can't it be this and this? Yeah. Right, right. You know, uh, typically in life, I've found, especially on the you know the theological spectrum, if you've got somebody hard-nosed saying, no, this is how it is, <laughs> and then you got somebody, no, this is how it is, it's usually somewhere in the middle right you know that that's where you meet god at. It's in the middle because his I, ways is not your ways and his I, thoughts are not your thoughts
2: justin are you trying to tell me that you vote libertarian bro is that what you're trying to tell i'm just kidding no no <laughs>
1: hey hey <laughs> hey there is nothing wrong with libertarianism Oh,
2: i was just going with the one person said it has to be this it has to be this oh, yeah. all right sorry go ahead
1: man. I mean if my vote wasn't wasted I totally would.
3: Uh, but uh but my opinion with the uh, with the whole Nimrod, you'll know, becoming a you know a gibor or with the Gibbreem was these garments. And then also with you have uh rituals and occult practices mm-hmm. you know, like you know, we were talking about before, to, you know, ascend. You know, and we we see that in the New Age and all these esoteric secret societies. I mean, it's the same theme sprinkled out through every culture, every secret society. And it's that way for a reason. So,
1: Wasn't there a snake who said something about a promise of ascension?
3: Oh, yeah. At the the very beginning, when you bit bit into the apple, what did he say? He said, ye shall be as gods. You know. But well, I like Derek Gilbert. He turned me on to this with his book Veneration, and he talked about how you know the Nephilim, you know they were before and after the flood.
0: Right, right, but right.
3: There's you know he said that there was distinct differences between the two, well because one was a genetic hybrid, he said, and the other one, he he believes that through ritual, through necromancy and and sex rites and things like that, that they would summon the spirits of their dead ancestors and these mighty warrior kings. And he Mm -hmm. compared them to the Vikings and the berserkers. You know, for those that are not familiar, you know, the berserkers were the ones that were just basically demon possessed. They were crazy. They had this crazy strength. They had no fear. You know, basically the equivalent of the Japanese suicide bombers. They would run in with no fear of loss of life, and there's you know there's been stories recorded that they lose limbs and still come after you and that you know it'd take you know several, you know, stabbings and spears to, to kill these men. They were just, you know, enraged, crazy, demon possessed almost like men. But they would probably do Probably not even
1: almost, probably yeah. exactly. <laughs>
3: but they would do these rituals and stuff and, and bring in the Uh, the warrior spirits of their dead ancestors and they would possess them. And that's where they would get all this super strength and, and uh, all these qualities that they had. So Derek points to all these ancient texts and writings and stuff that showed that the Canaanites and these giant clans practiced these things and they would summon their dead ancestors, their warrior Kings, which were the Nephilim before the flood. So he would, you know, say that once they'd done that, that it not only were they possessed, but it, you know, bonded to their mm. DNA and they changed. Yeah. And they started growing and getting bigger and stronger. And so my opinion with, with Nimrod is that's what this was. It was a combination of these garments because they were supernatural garments. And then these rituals and summon, summonsing the dead ancestors of the nephilim but for the flood because that's what the tower of babel was you know it's the gate of the gods he right, was trying Abel. you know to be able to stargate in my opinion to bring back these gods that walked amongst them before the flood
1: yeah and gilbert talks about that he goes into detail in um Oh gosh, darn it! Now I have to look and see what book that is. Uh,
3: Giants, gods, and dragons.
1: No, in in, in I want to say Inception.
3: Inception, yeah, yeah. He talks about the sacred geography and he, Bible. Like and... he
1: really goes into, um, uh, Babel. There, mm-hmm. um, I read a lot of that when we were when we were researching for for Babel. Good book. That's oh, also yeah. a real good book, man. Smart guy.
2: Hey, um, not to uh, intentionally cut you off here or anything, but I thought that I would mention that I literally, when you started saying the word, uh, talking about the berserkers, whoa, I'm not ready to have that on screen. Hang on there, guys. <laughs> Chill out there. When you started talking about berserkers, I went, huh. There's that, there's that linguistic mind running running through fields bro. And so I started looking up where the etymology of berserker or of berserk. So I'm going to post this online so you guys can see it. You'll forgive me. I'm going to make us go crazy for about 2 seconds and you guys be good. There we go. So here's the uh here's the interesting breakdown here. So berserk comes from the the old Norse word bear bear like to not have and then the old <laughs> Norse word became coat. And then there's also Old Norse bjorn, which changed into the word berserker, combined with the English word bear, and you get berserk. That's pretty crazy.
3: So you have a garment associated there, too, with the word. That's
2: exactly... Well, but not only do you have a garment associated, you have bare skin associated before you have a garment. How
3: about Mm. that? So something had to shed itself Uh, to give to uh, another.
2: God, I love etymology. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, speaking of which, uh, I wore this shirt just for you today, bro. It's a Dragon Ball Z. It's uh,
3: Ah, going with the Nakash. Segoy. There you go. (laughs) I spent some time in Japan. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I spent about four months with my job. Okay, cool, man. Very yeah, cool. very cool what, place. What do you?
2: Well, maybe I'll save that for the end. You can tell me what you do at the end. <laughs> Let's not interrupt your your narrative. Go ahead, brother.
3: But uh, I guess to get this all started, and I know some of you guys are going to be like, Why is he starting here? It comes full circle. It's like any good story, okay? Because Shelly had to interrupt. No, I'm kidding. You
1: uh, know, <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> you gotta throw you power. some kind
3: of crazy beginning, <laughs> bum, ba, bum. have a peek, and twist back. You know, there it's you like, go. A thick That's scent. right,
1: that's right.
3: But uh, we're going to start off with, with Esau. So Genesis 25 and 22. Have, I'm going to pull up my logos here. Do you want me to pull it up? I got it right here. You're going to pull it up if you want to read along, yeah. I guess. What is it? Genesis, what was it? Uh, 25, 25, 22. And I'm uh, reading out of ESV. Give me a hot minute. But, no, I'll have it pulled up. But here it's talking about uh, the birth of Esau. And I'll i always thought this was interesting but i never realized this tie-in until i started looking in you know to the garments and it's Mm -hmm. pretty wild how all this ties together all right give me a second pull it up here all right here we go all right go for it brother no So it says 22 says the children struggled together within her and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. In verse 24, When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red all over his body, like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So some things that stand out to me here. It says two nations are in your womb and two peoples are within you and they shall be divided. And then it even goes on to say one shall be stronger than the other. Uh, and then you go on down to 24 uh i'm sorry 25 and it describes esau it says the first came out red all over his body hairy like a cloak so they called his name esau so my first thing was like okay he comes out red with hair all over his body like a hairy cloak you know was esau the first uh bigfoot seed
1: you know <laughs>
3: And then I thought of uh, Genesis 3.15. When Eve took the apple from the serpent, what was the curse? He said, I will put amenity between your seed and the serpent's seed. So he's talking about two peoples at war with each other. And if you talk about the, the Nephilim... One could easily say that one was stronger than the other. So I thought that was pretty wild. Hmm. Um, let's see.
1: There's so much of that theme too in oh, Genesis, yeah. in particular. Not to mention the the um, the firstborn in servitude to a latterborn.
3: Mm-hmm. And when you uh, go into the uh, the background of Esau, uh, in my study notes here, it says that his people were known as the Edomites. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and from Edom, you know, the dom in Hebrew means red. Mm, that's right. right. So his people are credited with building Petra. Right. Petra's huge. Yeah, and you ever seen the doorways
1: of Petra? gigantic. I mm. have always thought that um it's a it's a structure that was built according to angelic understanding by giants. Well, and what is that the the um the red-haired giants. Mhm. Um it's it's such a common Mm-hmm. um story amongst native americans yeah. the red-haired giants yeah. red-haired giants but throughout the world there are red-haired giants it's yep. just crazy you
2: know it's it's funny that you say that um
1: uh what's what's the guy's name jimmy i forget
2: his last name he he's the one that's been all over the place on tons of podcasts right now he was just on tim cast not that long ago for um He's the guy that does uh, all the theoretics with Atlantis, and he was on, the, he's, he's the one that really claims that the rickshaw the structure and stuff like that on Joe Rogan. Uh-huh. Um, I literally just stumbled across one of his uh, posts today. He said, hmm, how about these red-haired mummies in Egypt? And he had, like, several photos of just all these mummies that were very red-haired and very not Egyptian-looking at all. And people were like uh, giving their answers, of course.
1: <laughs>
3: well, yeah, even so, a lot of the uh, elongated skulls in uh, Peru. Yeah, right. oh, had red you hair know on. the
1: four, the four who still exist and haven't gone down to some basement somewhere in the Smithsonian.
3: You're right, or some private collection somewhere. You mean right. the Smithsonian? Yeah. <laughs> But one thing I thought was crazy was uh, when you look at the birth of these two and, and, and Shelley touched on it, you know, when she talked about some of the themes, a lot of people miss how similar the birth of Esau and Zariah was in Genesis 38, uh, 27 through 30. Uh, Zariah also had a twin and Zariah's hand came out first and the midwife tried a, uh, mm-hmm. tied a scarlet red ribbon uh-huh. around okay. his hand. But he drew it back in, and then out came Perez. Later, uh, Zerah came out with his ribbon still attached. Uh, and, the and
1: sons of Tamar and Judah. Mm-hmm.
3: So Zerah, in the lexicon, it says that that th- this word means dawning and shining. Hmm. And Well,
1: it would seraphim. Zerah. Uh huh. Uh huh.
3: And then when you look at the root meaning of uh, when it described uh, Esau, it said that he was stronger, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the Hebrew word yamas. And it's another word, you know, another word associated with that is stout. Hmm. And when you read, you know, like the Epic of Gilgamesh, that's how uh, Enkidu was described. Enkidu was described as, you know, short and stout. So, you know, it's tying him to, to strength. Let's see, verse uh, Genesis twenty-five and verse twenty-nine. So we'll skip down, and this is the birthright.
1: Can I just say I'm a little inky-doo, short and stout. <laughs> this is my handle. This is my. Spell. This it was is going spell. through my head? I figured it would go through yours too.
3: <laughs> oh, it did. <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I had, I had to throw in the Esau birth, you know, and, and the how he was different, described as stronger, come out, you know, red and hairy mm-hmm. all over, and how there's a correlation, you know, with the uh the word association with Inky Doo, and Inky Doo was hairy all over also. Mm-hmm. Uh so verse twenty nine through thirty two says Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Hmm. So the birthright, you know, AKA that, that's the keys to the kingdom. You know, this went to the eldest firstborn son. Esau was on the verge of death You know, he wasn't just hungry, or he never would have traded his inheritance like that. You know, verse 29 says that he came from the field. You know, this was, you know, the wilderness. You know, and it said that he was a mighty hunter, just like Nimrod. Mm -hmm. So he, he came from a hunt is what, you know, most people would assume and how it's actually taught. But what happened on this hunt that had him knocking at death's door? Verse 30 says, thus his name was called Edom. You know, his people, as I mentioned earlier, was the Edomites. So, most people, you know, especially in your churches, will just say, you know, oh, he was just, he was hungry and he hadn't ate in a while. And, uh, right, haven't you always been told
1: that? Yeah. I mean, I was told that and I was like, "What? what is wrong with this guy? Is he a glutton? Why in the world would, the
3: stupidest would story he I give up? right yeah, it didn't make any sense and it's like Ever. man if i had the keys to the kingdom why would i trade it for a bowl of soup
1: you know, lentil soup of all the kinds. give me a break <laughs> I like man
2: lentils. um i, I was mean i do say, too but not enough not for, to sell my house my give me right. my
1: house for it
2: i've said this over and over uh justin to, to shelly um multiple times man i always say this i never i i could never reason in my mind that the bible was not the living truth of god. I just I just couldn't come to to make myself say, "Nah, this is not true. It's a bunch of hogwash." Even when I was like angry with life and I mean there I just couldn't. You know, I just couldn't come to that point. But god, we I mean, we just castrated the bible and and took all of its man, glory and power, anointing and and all of it, man, was just stripped bare. And so when we come to stuff like this, th- this is exactly why I I didn't want to go to church. It's exactly why I didn't see any any reason to stay within the four walls. It's the exact reason that I started a metal band, a death ska metal band, to, to share the gospel with people in the first place. Because when you think that he was selling his birthright for some lentil soup because he was tired, come on, man, come seriously, like, you know, and it's like I've I've told. Sorry, I'm not, not going to go on too much of a rant, but it's just like I've always, I always told Shelly too. Like I would look at other people's religions. I would look at Hinduism or I would look at Buddhism, um, and I've told Shelly multiple times if I weren't a Christian, I'd probably be a Buddhist. And and the reason is is because there's power there, bro. There's power there, you know. And people people Christians reject that out of hand. They're just eh, it's it's hogwash. It's garbage. It's there's the one true God. I'm like yeah, I know there's the one true God. Well then point me in the right direction and show me what he's doing, you know, and don't try and cover his tracks. He doesn't need you to cover his tracks. Sorry, rant over.
3: No. (laughs) No, That's the thing. I don't think, you know, the 90% are just ignorant. It ain't that they're purposefully hiding this from you. It's just they're they're ignorant of it, and they're repeating what they've been taught.
0: Sure because right, because honestly, oh, us as a
3: people, we are lazy, we are instant gratification. you want to click yep. away, don't even have to leave your house to go get your groceries. Walmart will bring them to you now,
2: yeah,
0: so right. why would
3: anybody dig through the word and try to find something out because they got somebody telling them everything, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah
3: that they yeah. think and then
1: on top of that, we're looking to, from a twenty first century western lens it's so different we we yep. we don't have the culture we don't have the context to understand so much of what is in the word and nobody does ancient near east studies for you know uh for their new converts to christianity <laughs> that's that's sure not should. something a church has i mean we definitely should um mm. There's a lot of things we definitely should. Well, I, I, I won't get out my
2: soapbox. And, and I think a lot of that, too, is that I, I was looking at the uh, the Blurry Bros. I was looking at one of their, their – uh, they post a lot on, on Twitter right now. And, and um, I've been trying to be more on there because I find a lot of like-minded individuals and a lot of challenges to a lot of ideas that I have, too. Um, and they – I appreciate those guys a lot. Although I know that, you know, when you're online, you, you, in perp- you purposely ask questions, sometimes you know the answers to because you want to engage with people, right? Well, one of the questions they said is they said that it's so bizarre to them that, that believers are willing to believe in Bigfoot, but they won't believe in aliens. And coming back to this point is, well, the issue is how much do you really want to know truth? how much are you actually interested in, in figuring it out? Right. Because I can ask all day and I do, I go, what do you guys think of uh, aliens? And I hear that for the millionth time, you know, they're demons, they're demons, they're demons. And I'm like, well, that's sure. I guess that's partially true, you know, but like are you really interested in understanding the, 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 the things that we're hurtling towards on the earth that are inescapable? Like we, we, you know, we're, we're going to be caught with our pants down if we're not reading the word and trying to understand it. So,
3: anyway. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. The, that's just one of those things. It's uh, like I talked about earlier. You got somebody hard-nosed on this side, somebody hard-nosed on the other. It's probably yep. in the so middle.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Right. right, right, right.
3: Yeah. But uh, let's see. But now I want to go into the Book of Jasher because this this is what gives you a, a lot of your missing context. And Almost I know there's some it. people out there, you know, that they don't read the Apocrypha, they, you know, they don't know who wrote it, the the datings are, you know, misconstrued, nobody agrees. Right. <laughs> but I'm the type of person that if it doesn't how do I say this, if it doesn't contradict the word of God, but but adds caveats Mm-hmm. To how to ways that you can understand and connect dots. Why wouldn't you look into these things? And like uh, Mike Heiser always says, something doesn't have to be divine inspired to be important for for cultural context. Right.
0: Yep. Right.
3: So a lot of this stuff, I believe, even if you know we have proven that they were written later or not by the person that that it's named after. To me, it doesn't mean that it wasn't part of it the oral tradition. Yeah, right. Long That's exactly it. Was ever it. The written oral down. Yes. Right, right. So, but let's see with uh, Jasser chapter twenty-six, verse seventeen. I wanted to add this for context because we never hear anything bad about Esau in uh, the scriptures. But here I've seen this, and it kind of stood out to me, and I thought it was worth sharing as a caveat before I went on. It, but man. verse 17, it says, And the boys grew up to their 15th year, and they came amongst the society of men. Esau was a designing and deceitful man and an expert hunter in the field. And Jacob was a man perfect and wise, dwelling in tents, feeding flocks and learning the instructions of the Lord and the commands of his father and mother so there we see that Esau is compared to a, a designing and deceitful man and an expert hunter so where I talked about the the two nations the two peoples at war with each other here we see that some complimentary verses to, to, to back that up and give you a little bit of, of context on the man Esau. Uh, but when you go to chapter 27, and before I read this, I'm going to lead with this question. What was so special about this birthright? And what was so special about uh, the garments? I think chapters 27 in the book of Jasher gives you good context for that. It says, And Esau, at the time, after the death of Abraham, frequently went in the field to hunt. Sorry, what, what verse are you at? Uh, verse 1, chapter verse 27. 27, sorry. Okay, go for it. Okay, verse 2 says, And Nimrod, king of Babel, the same was Amraphel." also frequently went with his mighty men there's that word again gibor
0: mm-hmm.
3: to hunt in the field and to walk about with his men in the cool of the day hmm. and nimrod was observing esau all the days for a jealousy was formed in the heart of nimrod against esau and all of his days And on a certain day, Esau went into the field to hunt, and he found Nimrod walking in the wilderness with his two men. And all of his mighty men and his people were with him in the wilderness. But they removed at a distance from him, and they went from him in different directions to hunt. And Esau concealed himself from Nimrod, and he lurked for him in the wilderness." And Nimrod and his men that were with him did not know him. And Nimrod and his men frequently walked about in the field at the cool of the day, and to know where his men were hunting in the field. And Nimrod and his two men that were with him came to a place where they were, when Esau started suddenly from his lurking place, and drew his sword, and hastened, and ran to Nimrod, and cut off his head. And Esau fought a desperate fight with two men that were with Nimrod. And when they called out to him, Esau turned to them and smote them to death with his sword. And all the mighty men of Nimrod, who had left him to go to the wilderness, heard the cry at a distance. And they knew the voices of the two men, and they ran to know the cause of it. When they found their king and the two men that were lying dead in the wilderness, And when Esau saw the mighty men of Nimrod coming at a distance, he fled and thereby escaped. And Esau took the valuable garments of Nimrod, which Nimrod's father had bequeathed to Nimrod, and which Nimrod prevailed over the whole land. And he ran and concealed them in his house. And Esau took those garments and ran into the city on account of Nimrod's men. And he came into his father's house, wearied and exhausted from the fight. And he was ready to die, though grief he approached his brother Jacob and sat before him. And he said unto his brother Jacob, Behold, I shall die this day. And wherefore then, do I? why do I want my birthright? And Jacob acted wisely with Esau in this matter. And Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, for it was so brought by the Lord so here we have more context to that story that I just read he was in the wilderness in fact and he was quote unquote exhausted as Genesis says (laughs) but we see why right he just had an epic battle with three Gaborim and killed them all Hmm. Cut off Nimrod's head, and stole the garments, and then went home, and traded them to his brother Jacob. And one thing I want to draw uh, context to, verse ten. I'm going to read this. This is one. This one little verse again. It says, "And when Esau saw the mighty men of Nimrod coming at a distance, he fled and thereby escaped. And Esau took the valuable garments of Nimrod, which Nimrod's father had bequeathed to Nimrod." in which Nimrod prevailed over the whole land. Okay, he's talking about the garments, and then it throws in here, and with which Nimrod prevailed over the whole land. He's talking about the garments, and because of these garments, he was able to prevail over the whole land. These must have been some really special garments. Right. Uh, so, oops, sorry. Guys. I ask you again: What is so special about these garments? Well, if we stay in the same book of Jasher,
1: is Jasher the book that they also call the First Genesis?
3: Uh, that I'm not sure of. I don't know. Yeah. I've always just known it as Jasher.
1: Right.
2: Jasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vincent. <laughs> You're, <dumb. laughs> You're just jealous because you didn't think of it first. Mm. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true.
3: <laughs> but, but Jasher, like many other books, was not written chronologically. But later, in chapter no. 29, <laughs> we learn that... Uh before the boys come of age that he tried to send them with Shem in the mountains of Ararat to learn the ways of the Lord and Esau declined. He wanted to learn to hunt and to be a warrior. Hmm. So Jacob went and stayed with Shem in the mountains until they come of age. And then when they came back home, that's how, in my opinion doesn't specifically say this but in my opinion that's why he knew how special those garments were because he spent time with shem and learning the ways of the lord and so when he seen these garments he seized the opportunity to to get them from esau because let's see Uh, chapter uh, 7 verse 23 I see it here give me a second so when Jacob went to spend this time with Shem Shem told him all the traditions and the history about the pre-flood and Noah and he was raised up in all the ways of the Lord so when Esau came back from this mighty hunt with these garments he knew what he had So I'm going to tell you the story that Shem more than likely told to Jacob. So when you go to the book of Jasher and you're going back to chapter 7, starting in verse 23, it says, And Cush, the son of Ham, the son of Noah, took a wife in those days in his old age, and she bore a son, and they called his name Nimrod saying, At the time the sons of men again began to rebel and transgress against God. And the child grew up, and his father loved him exceedingly, for he was the son of his old age. And the garments of skin which God made for Adam and his wife, when they went out of the garden, were given to Cush. For after the death of Adam and his wife, the garments were given to Enoch, the son of Jared. And when Enoch was taken up to God, he gave them to Methuselah, his son. And at the death of Methuselah, Noah took them and brought them into the ark. And they were with him until he went out of the ark. And in their going out, Ham stole those garments from Noah, his father. And he took them and hid them from his brothers. And when Ham begot his firstborn, Cush, he gave him the garments in secret. And they were with Cush many days. And Cush also concealed them from his sons and brothers. And when Cush had begotten Nimrod, he gave him those garments through his love for him. And Nimrod grew up. And when he was twenty years old, he put on those garments. And verse thirty. And Nimrod became strong when he put on the garments. When
1: he put on the garments.
3: And God gave him might and strength, Mm -hmm. and he was a mighty hunter in the earth. Yea, he was a mighty hunter in the field, and he was hunted, and he hunted the animals, and he built altars, and he offered upon them the animals before the Lord. And Nimrod strengthened himself, and he rose up from amongst his brethren, and he fought the battles of his brethren against all their enemies, roundabout
1: it's so weird because Nimrod literally means let's rebel (laughs) it's like who would who would name their child that
3: well see the thing is too is we got to realize that these stories were written down after the fact so a lot of these names I don't believe are their actual names they were given to them to add context to the story
2: you know, there's a, a really interesting um, Native American tradition that actually might hold some some bearing here in that um, as I was listening, Shelly and I listened to a really, really cool podcast with uh, an older gentleman. You, you, may, you may have seen him. He's an old, uh, older Navajo gentleman.
1: Anastasi.
2: Yep.
0: Oh, I'll no,
1: he's not. A, sorry, he talked about that. The, no, 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 he talks well, about he, the, It's uh, not Joseph, Anastasi. but um, he's, he's very cool. Very, very like Like um,
2: Well, he, he says that something that was very common, and, and I don't see why this wouldn't be a thing across the old world, is that when you did something in your life or something happened to you or you achieved something, you would get a new name. You would receive a new name, and it was based on your action or it was based on an occurrence in your life.
3: And to rebirth, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. In Revelation, you're given a white stone with a new name that only God knows, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Well, it's the whole Abraham, Abram, Abraham, um, Jacob into Isaac, uh, Esau into Edom. Um, where it doesn't apply, by the way, is Saul into Paul, Saul and Paul are the same name. He, yeah. he didn't get a new name when he had his conversion on the road to Damascus. Um, unlike a lot of people think. And it bothers me that, <laughs> that that's perpetuated. So well, I'm just going to nip that in actually, the mud right here.
2: It's actually not that weird. Um, Mexicans, particularly Mexicans, have a, a super common um, practice that when you become part of some sort of group or something... You, you gain a nickname, and that nickname is your name. It is like the eternal moniker, and I have one. Like It's that's one that it's so much so that it's like an endearing sort of thing that I well, use it for it.
3: everything. El Cabasorro. Ah, oh, the roll of the tongue. That's, I like it. <laughs> so,
1: oh, that would be accurate for you.
2: So El Cabasorro is actually... You guys ever watch the old Hanna-Barbera Bar- cartoons? You know who El Cabong is? Mm-hmm. El bong is the he's, the he's the horse dude that he plays uh, the guitar. <laughs> yeah, he plays the acoustic guitar, and he's he dresses like Zorro, and he comes and he smacks people on the head with his guitar like that's okay, how he yeah. defends against the evil one, right? Well, in, in English, um, it's funny because when you watch the original cartoon in English, everyone has a.
3: Did you smash somebody with the guitar?
2: I I not yet <laughs> thought about it. Um, no, uh, he, he talks in regular English, I'm El Cabasorro, right? And everybody in the, in the, uh, the show, everybody else has a, a Mexican accent. Oh, I am the villain, right? But When you watch it in Mexico, El Cabasorro is the one that has a huge white person accent. And so everybody else sounds normal and he sounds goofy. And so when I moved, this is kind of an offshoot, sorry, dude, but, um, so I moved abroad when I was, uh. 19 When I was, yeah, almost 20, I lived in Mexico City. I moved to Mexico City. I was there for five years. And uh, I went to do unconventional missions work. And it was
1: a screamo.
2: Don't
3: say screamo, Shell. God, yeah, you gotta he, stop using that. You burn yeah. him up on the live the other night. He so, was, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I, I'm like, <laughs> I feel a part of my soul die every time she says screamo. <laughs> bro.
1: Punk, rock, metal, what the?
2: that's, that's you call, oh, death Just Ska.
1: okay how about death death ska, who, death ska um missionary yeah in mexico uh, we'll go city
2: you played in a metal band basically and and um but the joke was always like i'm the white guy i show up against everybody i play the guitar you know and like i got the white guy accent which actually didn't happen but but that that's the name that stuck man and like Anytime I see my buddies from Mexico City, it's like, Ah, El cabazorro, como estas? You know, it's kind of what's <laughs> going on, man. Kind that's of right so now, great. So. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, those are... I think that those are just old world traditions that have just lived on. They've oh, just yeah. continued to live on, Well, you know?
1: they make really good sense, though. I mean, you, you... I
2: do play the guitar. And, and I am... Do. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> you and your... I just think of how you would tell us the shun for everything. The one you Americanize everything with shun, you know, oh. like hot doggo. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so in, in in English, right? You everybody knows no problemo. You know, kind of idea. Well, yeah, next no that oh that hot dogo.
1: Everything. Where's the A- el Bathremo? Put uh,
3: in front of everything. That's right. O-D-N.
2: So in 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 Spanish to make everything English. We just put "shun" at the end of it, so banyation um, uh, is bathroom instead of "banyo," right? Because <laughs> you're trying to make it Amer, you're trying to make it English Banyation. Tengo que banyation you know, kind of stuff like that. <laughs> Sorry, that's a totally off topic.
3: Oh
1: no! No kidding, that was a rabbit hole, man. Anyway, <laughs> I was just going towards the, the nickname world. thing that
2: you obtained you, you obtain new new names like that was the whole vibe, so. Did not read
1: well, and channel. you know what, if you name somebody in their their teens or their twenties or their thirties based on their behavior, it has so much more um value than you name this, you know, wet screeching baboon looking human that has done nothing except, you know, screaming and wet you and you give it a name that that name is it's a hope it if you give your children names that have meanings
3: yeah and in the bible i think they done it you know just for uh storytelling value and context and and uh word association you know they didn't want to exalt nimrod as a mighty man and a mighty hunter so they wanted to make him look like a fool so what better way to tarnish this man's uh, legacy, who is known as Imarkar in the Sumerians Kings List, right. who was exalted to godhood. Well, how do you demote right. him and make him look as bad as you can in your version of the story? You call him literally a fool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. But I just, uh, I loved how when I was reading and studying this, how all that just tied in. You know, it's like, Okay, yeah, there was, there were skins given at the the garden. Okay, well here's you know East Almighty Hunter. Oh, he traded his birthright. Oh, okay. Well, that don't make sense. Why would he do that? He, I've been hungry and, before, but never that hungry. And then you right. read you know the book of Jasher, and you're like, oh my god, he it killed he killed Nimrod. You know but he then killed too, Nimrod.
1: The whole birthright thing. What's a birthright? You know.
3: Yeah. And see, and now that's what I'll get back to, because now you know where you've seen the the birthright and the garments in Scripture without even really knowing it, and who kind of had them there. Yeah, yeah. But then I guess it goes back to the the itching question. I'd say those that are not familiar now is, well, what were these garments? Where did yeah. they come from? Well, we yeah we know they come from the Garden of God, but you know, if if we're digging in these other books and finding all this other stuff, surely there's more about these garments.
2: Right. Glad you asked that question because I was going to ask it if you didn't.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> and so when you go to Genesis three and Mike Heiser, he's the one that I learned this from. I stand mm-hmm. on the shoulders of men like him. But you know, and I'd say ninety percent of your audience knows this. But for the ten that may not, I'll just throw it out there. But Nakash is the word in Hebrew Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is used for the serpent. You know, nakash can mean serpent, Mm -hmm. but it can also mean the shining one or the one who practices divination. Mm -hmm. So when you read Genesis 3, if you put on your thinking caps and you think of the context you know, as Mike always said, context is king. Mm-hmm. So, number one question you have to ask yourself if you know this word in a cost, you can have many meanings. So, insert each meaning into this story mm-hmm. and see which one fits better to you. And that will answer your question. Yep. So, number one, snakes, do they talk? Snakes no. don't talk. Number two, do snakes have legs? No.
1: Interestingly enough, well, did I know Joe nubs? when Joe
3: Tepus <laughs> claimed he found one, but I'm just saying like that we can visually see and and you know I mean today. But and then number three was was Eve, Eve was familiar with this thing,
1: right? She right. trusted it,
3: right? She didn't question it, so. What makes more sense with all those things in mind? Was was it a serpent or was it a shining one, a seraphim shining, you know, that practices divination in the garden of God that they saw every day, conversated with every day and was very familiar with and trusted. So that's what makes the most sense to me. Okay, so and remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. You know, it was a shining one, one who practices divination. This mm-hmm. isn't another mm-hmm. Elohim. That's why he said, "You will right. be like one of us." You know, and he says, "You know, you will be like God." That word is Elohim. Right. Well, and that they can were, be singular were, or plural. Um, the sorry.
1: I know I lost you guys, but it'll pick up. So they were in Eden, which is the mountain of God. Yes. Which um, was where the divine council was. They were part of the divine council until, until they gave it away. Yep. They lost their seat at mm-hmm. that table. They lost our seat. Mm-hmm. Our seat at that table.
3: So when you stay in that same chapter three and you go down to 21, here's where you see these garments. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Mm -hmm. That's a plural word. Well, who's the us he's talking about? Who, Who else was there? This Nakash was there that's the us that's why he told him you know you will be like god he said you will be like elohim you will be like us so there you had that rebellion and let's see here i said so with the skin i want to address that word here i got notes on it Mm. Okay, here it is. In my notes it says, Adam is the prototypical high priest Mm -hmm. over all creation. And all subsequent divinely ordained priests trace their origins back to Adam. So Aaron's annual task of passing beyond the images of the cherubim, which was the veil, The place where God walks with his people in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 2 serves as a reminder of of Adam's once privileged position in Eden before the fall. The connection between Adam's original priesthood and the Aramaic high priesthood is the most notably highlighted by the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 28, and we'll get there. But the Nakash, A.K.A. the Shining One, I believe that these skins, a skin, you know, a covering is something. It has to be taken, like we talked about earlier, with the Berserker and the Bear. Something has to be made naked. Uh, There, something's covering is taken. To give you your covering. So a bear skin. You got to kill the bear. Take the skin. You're removing its covering. To make it your covering.
1: Right. Even our. um, uh, Trade with Christ. He takes our sins. He took our sin. And the word tells us that he covers us in his righteousness.
3: Yes. Yes. So, so
1: even there, there's a switching of covering, the covering word, of sin for covering of righteousness. Is,
2: there's one place in the New Testament where it says covering. There's another where it says we're, we're
1: clothed in mm-hmm.
3: righteousness. Oh,
1: yeah. Right.
3: So with all the, the priesthood traditions, you know, making Adam, you know, the first, you know, the, the, the king and priest. Right. So what what covering did the priests have? The ephod. Mm -hmm. The ephod, right? Mm -hmm. That ephod was covered in tassels, gold inlays, and nine stones. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's safe to say that that thing would shine. (laughs) And it would gleam.
1: Well, especially being as in, um, I think it's Isaiah chapter 14, I think it's starting around verse 12. Sorry, I don't have this written down. But when, um, when Hillel Ben Shakur it, it says, I will ascend to the mount of God, I will ascend to the throne, I will be worshipped as, as Yahweh, basically, when, when God is talking then to him as the king of Tyre, or Tyre, he, he says, you walk, between the living stones.
3: Yeah, and that's Ezekiel 28. That's where I'm headed. Oh, yeah. sorry.
1: Well, e- Ezekiel yeah. 28 and Isaiah
3: 14 is the where you get the Lucifer from right. the light yeah. yeah, and the shining yeah. one, the sun of the morning.
1: Uh, right. Hallelujah. Yeah.
3: So, my my thinking along with that, you know, is the Nakash, AKA the shining one. All those stones would be shining, wouldn't they? Right. Okay.
1: So it's my opinion. Stone looks living.
3: Yeah. So it's my opinion that this Nakash was stripped of his position and Adam was promoted and was given his covering. Ezekiel 28 describes the Nakash and his coverings. It sounds like the identical coverings for the priest at the tabernacle given from god and remember as on earth as it is in heaven right
1: right right
3: exodus uh, Exodus 39 it says it's also a foreshadowing of when god calls israel to be a nation of priests in exodus 19 when they come out into the wilderness so if these garments were indeed the skins of the serpent the nakash a symbol of his shame and sign of his original seal from heaven that would indeed make the devil hate you.
1: Even more, right? That's what I was thinking. You've, Man, his he has, position he has, has a lot of reason stolen to hate from us. him
3: and now we are a nation of priests and we are basically walking around with his coverings.
2: Let me ask a question. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, this is an idea that I've had floating around in my head for a good while now and <clears throat> because you're bringing it up in this, in this respect um, I'm really curious about your thoughts for something to clothe you it has to be killed All right what do we think happened to this shining one Besides obviously he lost a garment, right and and Genesis is fairly explicit about how he's gonna move about and live about so what what do you think if you had to put it into words, what do you think that that looked like if does that does my question make sense
3: yeah um well, that's a hard question. honestly, and that typically something has to die for you to take it, but I mean. You could easily skin an animal Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and it live. But with Satan, what I think happened was basically what happened to uh, the fallen angels in Genesis 6. They traded their heavenly bodies for earthly bodies. Mm -hmm. So what I think happened was, because if you look at the curse that God gave to the serpent, he said, on your belly you shall, shall go, mm-hmm. and and dust of the earth you shall eat, you know, for the rest of your days. I think that that was poetic prophecy. It was saying that I'm casting you out of heaven, and earth is now going to be, you know, your dwelling place. And that's why you get through Scripture. You know, he's the, the prince of the power of the air, and even Jesus says he is the ruler of this world. Right. He was, you know, cast down to us and kicked out of the garden of God. Now, we can't say that the Bible is chronological and also it's written by God that's outside of time, space and matter that sees the end and the beginning at the same time. Mm -hmm. But we do see after this fall, Satan is in the presence of the divine council with Job with uh, When they were uh, uh, accusing the right. high priest, it said that Satan was at the right hand of the well, Father. Well, and
1: that's what his position is, the hasatan, the accuser of the brethren. Uh, where does whether he God calls, calls him up, you know
3: what I mean? It's right. either, either he's kicked out and God comes down with the council with him to make decisions or have discussions, or it could be just theoretically speaking that he no longer can come and go as he pleases but god can summon him
1: well with interdimensionality with the fact that we're there's more than three dimensions it's possible that he had a a sort of death if you will in a dimension The same way i think that adam and eve had an instant death i think that that there was an instant death that day Mm -hmm. for them that they no longer were able to be in the dimensions of the divine council. And I don't know what other dimensions, because we were born into that lack of dimensionality. Um, we we only perceive, you know, a few dimensions, and we have an inkling of, of a couple more. We know quantum physics tells us there's ten or eleven, as does the word. Um but I could see if it's Hillel or Lucifer, who is the, the serpent in the garden um losing some of his dimensional ability. He no longer was, he is no longer part of the morning callers. He is no longer a son of the morning. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't do that any longer.
3: Um, and Isaiah 14 even says that, you know, uh, you know how thou art fallen, O son of the morning. Yep. Right. And I think so, it's like a veil, like a spiritual veil, because like they were there, they were seeing, you know, these heavenly beings every day communing with them. And now look at us, fallen man. You know, there's spiritual entities and spiritual warfare, things going all around us at the end of our fingertips. Right. So we and can't see it. We don't have the eyes to yeah. Right. It's like Very a spiritual did or, or uh, how would you call it, an interdimensional kind of like yeah. death right. or veil put in. And what's crazy is that you mentioned that it brought to my mind was when you read in Genesis 3, you know, in the original uh, language where it describes Satan, you know, that he was more crafty, you know, than, you know, and all this stuff. It says right. that word is a room. And then, when you get down to where they bit the apple, and it says, "and and their eyes were opened." That's the very same word, "a room," and there and they were a room.
1: So he so was more biting enlightened that apple.
3: We took and on the property of the serpent of the Nakash.
1: Which you know what? And um, this, I won't go far on this rabbit trail, but. Um, many of the secret societies um, <laughs> seek after enlightenment and they um, I would say deify but he already is <laughs> they deify the thought of Lucifer he's the good guy in oh yeah in, the
3: thirty third degree of Freemasonry that's 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 who they worship. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. He because Scott's he is right. the light bringer, you know it was it, it you know uh, God maligned him or or uh, uh, Yahweh maligned him and uh, made him seem like the bad guy, but really he was the good guy. He was Prometheus bringing down oh, the fire to mankind. That's that's
2: exactly. I mean the the story over and over, right C- across culture and culture and culture. I mean, sure the the I mean we we can quote the Masons because I think that that's a little bit closer, but. I mean, just not that long ago, Shell and I were, I was, I was diving into something and I, I uh, had not realized that um, that Quetzacoatl, uh, which is the, the serpent oh, yeah, the in serpent. Mexico, was the one that not only brought light, he civilized the people. Yes. That was the explanation. And he left riding a, a,
3: a boat of serpents Mm -hmm. and said he would one day return and what's fascinating is the whole Nakash shining one reference because what happened when the conquistadors came back with all their metal armor shining they thought 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 it was was the return of quasi kettle and just handed everything over to him yep yep yeah right
1: that's exactly you you the motif a lot so so much of this motif comes back because in the end he wants to be worshiped and he is not the only one in the pa- uh, pantheon of old gods there are plenty of them um and they're they are powerful we we are wrestling against them yeah ephesians three ten tells us that our job the job of the church is to make known god's manifold wisdom to the prince of the power of the air but that that's what that's what the church is for which mm. is crazy because you know in sunday school i certainly was taught that the church is to tell people about jesus mm. but it's so much more than that we are to witness god's manifold wisdom to demons well, and to principalities to powers
2: well the and and i think shell that that um, not to go too far down that ra- that rabbit trail, but I think that the original reason that uh, that that became so front and center, sure, it could be because of the stripping of of you know of the the power and the uh, the supernatural of the Bible, right? which we talked about at length uh, multiple times. But I think furthermore, in a very American mindset, what we were trying to do is close that that 1040 window. As fast as humanly possible, make it disappear, okay. so that the kingdom of God can come back as fast as humanly possible. So, in some ways, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily fault the church for that, but, but, on the other hand, like, if we don't, if there's no discipleship, then then there's no direction, and, and discipleship comes from study from stu- of stuff like this, frankly, right, right, because it's a it's a it's a firm understanding and a firm footing. For well, and we the need.
1: thing is, Christianity. It mirrors God, He is He is manifold, He mm-hmm. is multifaceted, and yeah. and so is so is our walk. So should be our world view, um, you know, within within the lens and scope of God's Word, obviously, but it's not one thing. It's, I like
3: how Louis Marcos said in that episode. You know, he said the sprinklings and hints of God, yeah, are throughout all cultures and all and all the world and don't get me wrong now so i know some people are already shaking their head i'm not saying all (laughs) roads all religions lead Lead to god God.
1: right not at all he
3: put sprinklings and hints of the truth in every religion throughout the world there's such things as universal truths and if you think that god didn't speak to any of his creation whatsoever until the revealing of to the Jewish people. I'm sorry, you're wrong.
1: <laughs> and it's preconditioning. Well, God would put a, or sorry, um, Melchizedek would put a wrench in that.
3: Yeah, but I'm uh, saying that God laid the foundations for the the landing zone for that plane. Right, many absolutely. years ago, and that way that when we do go to these, you know, the 10:40 window in India and all these places. That's why the stories are so similar throughout the world, because you don't think God, the creator of the universe laid the foundations that way. When we do go there and tell a story that's familiar to them, it sounds similar to theirs. They're going to be more prone to accept it. God has preconditioned the world for the coming of the Messiah.
1: Absolutely. No, totally agree. I mean, that's why the word says that
2: we are without excuse, right? That's that's exactly what what God is talking about. I mean, I can't remember what, what, for um, what, what Aztec philosopher it was that basically uh, is is even on the one of the peso bills in Mexico because specifically he said no there has to be a single god that did all these things there has to be and he I mean he recognized it without any anything else but maybe oral tradition and and nature itself to surround him right yeah.
3: So, Absolutely. And before we cut off, guys, uh, I do want to read uh, Ezekiel 28 for those really? that don't, you know, because we've referenced it so many times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it, it ties so many loose ends, you know, and here Ezekiel is uh, confronting the Prince of Tyre. But Hell this yeah. is a two part thing. When you read right. the first you know, few verses, he's talking to uh, the king. And you can tell it's worded to a man to
1: a man. Right. Right.
3: Then when you get to the second part and we, like Shelly was talking about these rulers, these principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places that are pulling the strings of the puppets of the people on earth that are ruling subject through them. That's who he's talking to. And I believe he's talking to the Nakhash here. And he, and he specifically, in my opinion, talks about the garments again, So when you start uh, in verse 12, it says, uh, and you tell me when I read this, this sounds like any human that you know, okay? (laughs) It says, you are the signet of perfection, Mm -hmm. full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Here it is. Every precious stone was your covering. Right. Sardis, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, and crafted in gold was your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were in the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I expose you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your what? Your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst and it consumed you and i turned you into ash on the earth in the sight of all who saw you all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you you have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever so He's talking about sanctuaries. You were perfect. It mentions the same exact stones of the ephod. The only difference is, is only nine is mentioned for him. We get an upgrade. We get 12. We get three more. So, I mean, that's insult to injury right there. Right. So, it's shining. It's in in all these different colors.
0: Mm. And it's my opinion...
3: But it's my opinion. Uh, Here's the the dynamite stick on the end of it. That's what the coat of many colors is. That garment was passed to the the, the one with favor in the family and who got the birthright. Joseph is described as being given this coat of many colors. And what does he say? He has a dream that the stars, which was always allegory for the heavenly beings, Mm -hmm. bowed before him it's my opinion that that that's the last time in scripture that we see the garments of god or from the from the garden of god
1: i have been on a tirade lately about um the brothers of joseph and benjamin although even benjamin uh was not looked upon favorably by his father um when jacob is dying he he blesses first joseph's sons um, Manasseh and ephraim and and he does it backwards and it really bothers joseph joseph tries to move his dad's hands no you've got it backwards you've (laughs) got and he's like no i don't i know what i'm doing but he goes down and And everything he says about his sons is, in my opinion, quite unfavorable. And I think what ugliness was inside of them that if that is the garment that Noah, that, that was passed down from Adam down to Noah, that Noah saved on the ark that then his son stole the Esau fought and killed Nimrod over and then sold it immediately to his brother and it is his it is Jacob's favored treasured thing that he gives to his beloved son Joseph and then his other sons destroy it. But then also because my brain things this way that's just one garment what about the other one because
3: mm-hmm.
1: there were two there were there were two the, humans or, who
3: were clothed or in the very least the one garment taken from the nakash and split between the two
1: here's what i hear in my head right now da, 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 da. yeah Dun. so it's going to be indiana jones and the garment of the nakash mhm <laughs> He's gonna find, look for that um, the holy, the the holy garment.
3: But an interesting bunny trail, you know, the blessings uh, given to the sons have astronomical ties.
1: No, uh, great. Now yeah. Justin bought himself. Uh,
3: when you read it, uh, and I'm, <laughs> I, I don't have the verses in front of me, but I'll paraphrase it, and you can dig yourself, and you'll oh, see wow. that I'm right. Each one is compared to an animal. Right. And uh oh, right. Know, one was compared to a bull. One was compared to a snake. One was compared to uh, uh, a man carrying water. And then uh the eagle, I'm pretty sure. But uh, there's four tribes, or the four sons, and, and they're all equated with animals. Well, when you look... Those are the four cardinal points of the Babylonian zodiac, or the or the Jewish Mazarath. Mm-hmm.
2: I've heard Tim talk about this actually. And then I, I even further,
3: when you go look at the encampments in Exodus, you know when God gives the directions for how they're supposed to camp. I mean, He was very specific. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. The holiest of holies was in the center. But when you right. read that, those four tribes that were correlated with the four cardinal points of the Maseroth are on the outsides at the four cardinal points on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Huh. See and I I know about the, the how it forms across the way yeah. it is done. Like it's the symbolism is is really crazy. Yeah, that was that was Chuck. Mm-hmm. Um wow, no so now I have more. Oh, you guys never give me. a break.
3: Yeah, well, uh, uh, on the dig Bible podcast, we, uh, covered that in, uh, I think the name of the episode was on earth as it is in heaven. I think. Mm. And when we talked about Guess all the what I'm listening different to stuff, <laughs> I love this stuff, man. Very <laughs> I, cool. Uh, these are the the, the cool. little nerdy trails. I love to take.
2: No, I'm I
1: with do you, too. Man. Like, i I really love how God gives Easter eggs.
3: Yeah, you know, it's seek like and ye shall find. It's there everywhere. for those who seek. There
1: is so much. There, yeah. He said, "If you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek yeah. me with your whole heart, man." Jeremiah twenty nine fourteen. Um. If you want to know God it is not hard and what i have found too is people who want to know the truth like genuinely know the truth you see their journey especially in the
3: they're hitting the trail yeah You see them yeah
2: it's it's apparent in their conversation i don't know if
1: you heard yahweh (laughs) no
2: we didn't hear anything (laughs) what would you say
1: Oh I said that when you see people looking for the truth you get to watch their journey towards Yahweh. Yeah. You mm-hmm. see it. Like like Peterson um I think Russell is going to get there Russell Brandt um Robin's there's well there's R- Joe Rogan. <laughs> He's another one. Like I love it. I see them and you can see that they're true seekers of truth and I'm just like oh yeah. Jesus please, they're searching for you. You said, when we seek you, we will find you. And I just, I see that frequently. Amen. I'm claiming those those men's salvation yeah, uh, man. for sure. And what's crazy
3: is how, you know, he even said, you know, there's so much symbolism in everything. Like you said, the Easter eggs, even with the, the Hebrew language. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when you see drop caps, you know, in the old English Bibles, those are not just fancy little boxes with, nope. with pretty little twisty letters. Right. Those were, they copied them from the Hebrew Bible. Those were basically headlines like on a newspaper. So that first letter was a symbol and it had a, a, a word associated to it, like Genesis. Right. The the first symbol is a bet. Well, the bet right. is a symbol for home. So that's telling you that the book of Genesis is about home. Yeah. And what's so cool is you know, Jesus what did he say? He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Okay. Well, he said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, right? Yeah. So he's saying, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, but he's also everything in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, okay? The first one is Aleph, which was the right. symbol for God, Right. okay? And then the Tav the was a cross, He's saying, I am God to the cross. But when you go to the, uh, the very uh, s- uh, center letter, which is number 11, was the mim, which mm-hmm. was the symbol for the waters, the abyss, the chaos. So there's chaos in the midst of it, right? But, and this is amazing, when you put those three letters together, aleph, mim, tav, that makes a word. And that word is truth. Hmm. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am that's the life. Awesome. And you shall know the truth. You shall know Jesus. And hmm. Jesus will set you free. That's awesome.
1: Yes, he will. Man, that's so good.
3: It's beautiful stuff.
1: It is. He's He's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think that quite captures it. <laughs>
1: We don't have enough good words. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's cool, man. Like sometimes praying, uh I try to give God more than the paltry words we have. There just aren't enough. Like this morning, I don't know, I was uh uh praying with Rick over uh over life, honestly, yeah. on yeah. Marco Polo man in It's like he is so astonishing we just don't have enough superlative words to tell God about himself you know the
2: the fantastic thing about about God is that while that is so unbelievably true there's no doubt in my mind that we I've told God a million times man I would get, you know, like frustrated sometimes. Be like, well, why would, why would I even tell you? Like, you already know everything. You already can do everything. You already are more than, than I could even describe. You know, nothing I give you, is of any worth, or will make you any worth any more than you already are. And the fascinating and, and wonderful thing is that, that doesn't matter. He, he's just there for you. He's just there to hang out with you. He just wants to hang out with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to. You to get to know him, because he already knows you 100%, right? But he wants you to And he likes us. The relationship. Like,
1: despite ourselves, he loves us. That
2: is... Uh...
3: And there's no religion like it. <laughs> it's cause it's every religion nothing. in the world requires works, and for you to give your blood yeah. for paradise. This is yeah. the only religion that is on faith, and that your God sheds his blood for you that's
0: right.
2: that's because as shelley and i have pointed out and 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 i was we were actually talking and praying about the i was praying about this and shelley and i were talking about it for a while i'm sure she thought about it and prayed about it too but i said lord what's what's the deal these guys are gods too like are they worth i mean what do we do with that you know and guy goes yeah they're gods but not all gods were made for worship <laughs>
3: And it's the divine family, and that's one of the key things that I think people miss out on by not having this supernatural worldview and seeing it in the context of the original writers, because the original story, it's all about the family of God. And God didn't need us. He wanted a family. So he made our elder brothers, which was the Elohim, Mm -hmm. and then he made us. And then just like any family, you have strife and fighting. And it's, it, it's the, the parable of the prodigal son. It's about the hev- heavenly brothers, the elder brothers that was mm-hmm. there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then us that rolled in pig slop. And he welcomes us back with open arms.
0: Right. Earth, and yes, it's it about
3: right? community and family and mm-hmm. coming back into the family of God. And without the supernatural worldview and knowing these things, yeah. you miss a beautiful story
1: you do so so much of the astonishing love god has for us is is overlooked because it's hard enough to get it as it is you know we miss we mistake it all the time oh god loves me well that doesn't mean that i can act a fool i mean i can and he still loves me but i'm going to pay bear the the consequence for my foolish accent Mm -hmm. uh actions sorry i don't know what word i said there um
3: you said things in foolish accent you was talking about me or thinking about (laughs) me
1: uh i'm actually a little bit weepy (laughs) It's He's from Kentucky. He does has a crappy
2: accent. Geez, <laughs> Shell, when Ooh. are you gonna get off that <laughs> thing, dude? Dang!
0: I'm
1: never coming Action on your show guys. again. <laughs> oh, you must come on our show again. Justin or we'll go to yours, whatever. Yes, but definitely. we're not as cool as the people you've had. We have not written yeah, books. No. We're just, we're just like. Eh. No,
2: you're just as cool. Well. You're you're a nice guy, bro. We appreciate that. That
1: This has been so so awesome. I honestly, it's been so (laughs)
2: enlightening. We might call it shining, shining episode. Oh gosh. I'm not sorry.
1: I I told Rick, you know, when when we were. Brainstorming and deciding, oh well, what are we gonna ask you? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dude, I don't buy into this at all. <laughs> I was like, really? No, uh, I,
2: I stumbled across that a text that I read through and it was it was explaining a lot of what you said. I mean, you added some beautiful little pearls and cherries in there that I was like, Whoa, man. that's very cool. Like some really
1: good from God's as, Word
2: as you started explaining about was, as I started, you, you had mentioned it, right. And then I started going through um, these two pathways, right. Some say that it, that it was, uh, that it was stolen. Some say it was just handed down. It sounds to me like you're kind of a middle of the road guy and you kind of think all of it sort of happened, yeah. which um, to be, to be frank, I know we're coming back to, to beat this bush to death, but um, I, I feel the same way about a lot of things, man. Like, when i when i ask people what they think aliens are they give me oh it's this one thing and somebody gives me oh it's this other thing and i'm like can't it be a plethora of things can not it be like a bunch of things happening simultaneously like life is messy that's how life is it's it's uh it's an entanglement of of crap that's it's really hard i mean why why is it hard to, for police to resolve issues right because there's a whole slew of things happening simultaneously right. and we have to untangle right. them jordan peterson talks about talks about this at length right that's why it's hard to make a social correction because there's so many variables at play that it's like it's it's a little bit too simple to say oh well it's just the one thing so coming back to your point man um i'm i i said it at the beginning i'll say it again i think it's it's great that you you bring in the garments of god but that you also like dude there was obviously some weird ritualistic stuff going on as well because that's what that's what we really came to the conclusion to right we were like there, there's some weird ritual stuff that this dude was doing to become a gibberim. like that's not a normal thing to do you know so yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm gonna go with uh, tim alberino and steal his quote and say i'm happy to let my paradigm bend a lot, lot more than break
1: Me, me too. And you know what, that's, that's what I was uh, saying before. I, I was like, I don't know, I'll give it a one out of a one out of 10 for plausibility. (laughs) But I have to say, it's there's there's a Some lot solid of evidence. merit to this case, yeah. man. And and today, I think maybe I'd go with the seven because I don't believe things just because somebody says them. I have yeah. to Agreed. research the tar out of it. But um, this information was great. I took notes, dude. I took I took more than a page of notes. I know all my life <laughs> is hard for y'all. To oh, see.
2: no, I'm not doing that crap. I have to go back and listen to this bad boy, so I'll sort through it in my head once I do that
1: um i i like to have things written down and um i'm still old and old-fashioned and i still write things and man i I'm... got
3: drawers full of these things <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i told that's...
1: ricky i quit carrying this one because it's so heavy and thick that's why I bought so this i bad carry... boy. I have I'm trying to convert all mine to type
3: yeah. now. That way I have can, uh, that's, printable that's copies. Than. So it's just it's taking time to retype yeah. all this crap.
1: Right. And and like you said, you're still a nine to fiver, so are both of us. Yeah. And there is not time and um to get it all done. But you know what? God's will still being done. He still yeah. he still makes it, so bless his name. Well you've hit the two hour mark. Yeah. I'm not I gonna, know we'll probably pull a little bit out of here, but I don't you much. know it's that a couple about two of minutes.
2: you all are humbling two and two losing hours. scriptures. Oh, you were terrible, bro. Oh. Like I'm not ever gonna think about having you back on to talk about anything. Um, We've never done anything like that. We are so <laughs> <ever>. buttoned
1: up. <laughs>
2: yeah, no kidding. Um Hey, man, well, uh, let me, was um,
1: fantastic.
2: it was great. It was really great. We, we really loved having you on, man. Um, uh, I think let me go ahead and me. wrap it up. And I'm gonna let you get the last word in, uh, give your shout outs, give all your plugins. Cause, uh, yeah, people are going to want to see what you have to talk about, man. Uh, very clearly. Um, guys, you know, we are Shelly and Richard Lee or Ricky, um, with a wonderful first host that we get our first invitee that we got to have on, which is wonderful um we are the christian theological dark web as you guys well know um you can catch us at solo.to slash as it is mentioned there at the bottom you can also catch us on youtube or on spotify um, or anywhere else you would like to listen to podcasts guys go follow us go give us a listen and uh man frankly go uh, go follow justin as well get, get honestly uh, get on that vibe
1: Lynn's podcast if yep. you don't put podcasts, then you get some weird video game. You guys probably know what it is. I didn't. I, and I, was I like, did. Oh, I this
3: played this a lot game? of Destiny. I didn't I play that much,
1: like but I was like, oh, I have
2: that game. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could like, get that that gun. That's everybody
1: on the planet except for Shelly alamon knows about this <laughs> game. And I was like, what is this? This is not what I am looking for. Because like I Halo wanted Met to see you with my beady eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, instead of right. just listening on Spotify so um go uh, Justin has two uh episodes out currently as of today when we're recording this yeah. i'm sure there will be more by the time we put this on air um the dig bible Bi- podcast gosh i really cannot articulate dig tonight.
2: bible bike. i mean both of our podcasts have obnoxiously long names like right. the Christian theological dark web say it three times fast go well see it
3: was go. supposed to just been the dig and then we came out with it and then we seen there was like several the dig. yeah so like, and
1: that's what I call it too I'm like no I was watching the dig I was listening to the dig guys, the dig guys. It, yeah. you guys are the dig guys that's who you are I'll grab a shovel I won't expect that hole to dig itself that's <laughs> right i like your tagline (laughs) yeah that's good we we really want uh, one of our goals with with our meager podcast is to build a community of the um other believers who are on this journey with us and so our goal is to uh promote the daylights out of um everybody who uh speaks into our lives because, mm-hmm. because when you find something that's good, you always want to share it, right? Pie tastes yeah. better when you share it. Yeah. So.
3: That's the thing. Is it? That's what it's all about. It's about uh, community and about your mm-hmm. your walk with God and, and your mm-hmm. journey. You know that that's the one of the phrases I use on the Prometheus lens. You know, it's it's the hero's journey. Yep. And, and with the hero's journey, what do you do? you go into the vast unknown you, you slay the dragon you save the damsel and you come out on the other end a hero yeah. and hopefully
1: and, you find some compatriots along the way yeah
3: exactly because you build a band of brothers just like the argonauts you know
1: right yeah yeah you guys were talking about that i could tell <laughs> yeah. you were much younger i remember jason and the argonauts i watched everything like that the the hercules Movies, uh, my my dad was into them, and I have to admit, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them all too. Um, but you know, Ecclesiastes said, Two is better than one, for if one falls down, the other will pick him up. And a three-cord yeah. strand is not, easily, not broken. easily broken,
3: amen. Yeah, and that well, here we are,
1: is, all three of us. Here we are,
2: <laughs> cool man. Okay.
0: Justin, well, it, we Justin.
1: normally end with a blessing. Oh, yeah. So uh did you have anything else you wanted to say before we do the ironic blessing?
3: Oh, just uh just what you said, just uh check us out uh, the Dig Bible Podcast and Prometheus Lens Podcast uh websites are the names, so it's the dig and uh the Prometheus uh, find us on facebook instagram all the different socials tiktok uh, we actually have a community uh on facebook uh the dig bible podcast community yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: we join just,
3: yeah we all just get on there and we share inspirational bible verses and talk about you know fringy subjects and <laughs> give prayer for each other and it's just uh just to get together for like-minded people and just uh yeah just like a lot of people getting together, spreading the, the good news, man.
2: Man. That's, that's good stuff. Awesome. Cool. Michelle, go for
0: it. Okay. Take it away.
1: Okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you shalom.
2: Man. Well, Amen. Guys, as always, man, God bless, shalom, and...
1: Maranatha Maranatha, until Jesus comes back man. Maranatha King Jesus love you guys talk to you soon
2: thank you for watching this episode of the Christian Theological Dark Web for questions or comments please email us at Web at gmail.com if you'd like to support us please look for the Patreon link in the description this has been another production of ctdw studios thank you and god bless